0: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Well, let's get into this uh, this test, Rob, and find out if, if you or me or maybe even both of us are are psychos, psychopaths. <laughs> how how do we how do Probably. we rate on a psychopathy exam?
1: Well, I read somewhere that there are a lot of psychopaths in the media. That's one of those professions, really. Sounds strange to me.
0: Mm. I wonder what the ingredients are of a psychopath. And and we're joined now by uh, Peter Jonason, PhD, social uh, personality psychologist, and uh, at the uh, School of Social Sciences and Psychology at Western Sydney University. And a lot of this research is sort of based on uh, this new term called the Dark Triad. Something I'm learning about narcissism, Machiavellianism, and uh, psychopathy. So, doctor, I mean, talk to us a bit about the research of this so-called Dark
2: Triad. Uh, the- each trait on its own has a long history of research. So, take narcissism as an example. I mean, it's a trait that's been around since the Greek, uh, uh, the Greek myth of Narcissus. So, it's nothing particularly new. That uh, in 2002, a guy from UBC uh, assembled them as a collective, and he said these are three aspects of kind of the dark side of human nature. Um, and nothing really came of that paper. It was. It was kind of just some small little paper in some journal, um, and and then in 2008 I went to Japan and I gave a talk on some work that I did, and uh, at that moment the dark triad essentially exploded as a topic. Uh, and the reason is because is I linked it to uh, sexuality. I, I, I had the proposition that these are traits that could be beneficial. Uh, in an adaptive sense, and if they were, they may be, uh, focusing people on men in particular, on, uh, casual sex ventures. And I used the metaphor of James Bond, and that was basically all she wrote. Um, and so since, since then, even, you know, my, my grandfather and I often talk about, you know, the, the fortuitousness of me going to Japan, uh, and that what I said at that conference, Kind of almost started my career. So, no, I didn't. I haven't pioneered the traits. I think more what I've done is I've, I've popularized them and I've brought in a whole fray of, of new researchers because I, I essentially invigorated the study of them by adding this evolutionary spin to them.
0: I guess the natural question then is: is James Bond a psychopath?
2: Coming there's, there can't be any question about that i mean he um on so many markers i mean just think about what a psychopath do right he he kills people he has casual sex he manipulates people he drinks excessively smokes excessively does risk taking um these are all markers of psychopathy um to say that he's a psychopath that's a tricky one so that the terminology is tough because we we tend to think in this dichotomous way right so you're either you're either a psychopath or you're not. And what's more accurate about all personality traits, even the ones we don't like, is that people range on to a matter of degree on, say, something like psychopathy, just like they range on a matter of degree to something like openness to experience. And so James Bond is not necessarily um, a psychopath. He's just someone who's high relative to others on um On psychopathy, Uh, ultimately, what comes down to the diagnosis, I think, of is this person a psychopath? Is um, is he uh, unable to fulfill the kind of things that he wants to do in his life? Is his personality getting in the way um, of his ability to do anything? And indeed, because he does the things we want him to do, right? He kills the bad guys. Uh, we're essentially as a society willing to tolerate those kinds of people. Now, of course, this is James Bond, who's a you know a guy on television, a guy in a movie, but we have we have police officers and we have Navy SEALs and we have um, various kinds of uh, um, members of our society that do undesirable things that we 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 tolerate um, to quite a bit. I mean, you could even make the argument if you didn't like sports that something that 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 sports are. Um, but these are men engaged in antisocial behavior that in other contexts we wouldn't like, but because they're entertaining us, we kind of put it aside. Um, Stephen Colbert, uh, Gregory House, there's various antiheroes out there, and we seem to be willing – Iron Man, for instance – we seem to be willing to tolerate these bad boys um, so long as they're doing what we want them to do and, and um, kind of making – you know, not affecting our group, but maybe affecting another group.
1: You know, it's interesting because I think people have a lot of preconceived notions about what a psychopath is, or what, what psychopathy, or how it manifests itself. Because, yeah. as you allude to, I mean, it's it's much more common than we think, and a lot a lot different than we think.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's I mean, there's there's books about the psychopath next door and the psychopath in the mirror and all these. It, you're, they walk among you, um, and it's just. These are because it's a person who's high on psychopathy is not just the person who's high on psychopathy. They have all kinds of other personality traits as well. So we tend to we tend to focus on this one trait because we don't like this one. But the psychopath isn't only a psychopath. There's other aspects of that person's personality, their character. Um, so it takes corporate psychopaths. We have people who are successful in business, um, and by every measure they, they are risk-takers, they are impulsive, they, uh, they like power. These are, these are people who would score high on a psychopathy measure, but they're making lots of money and we see them every day at work and we don't think that. So our preconceptions of psychopathy are in some ways tainted by movies and television shows that overuse that term and link it to a very particular kind of dysfunctional, um socially speaking a socially dysfunctional psychopathy and i say socially speaking because if if i need to kill someone to survive we don't call that psychopathy but my ability to kill someone and and kind of deal with that 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 to overcome that fear is kind of a person's psychopathy um i've always used the example of a mom um you know women tend to be lower on psychopathy than men are but if a mom is walking down the street and someone tries to abduct her child, her ability to, to switch off her emotional uh, uh, con- her empathy and her, her compassion for other people and kill that guy to save her baby, well, this is a good thing for this mom. And so we're not going to bemoan her behavior and label her a psychopath, but ultimately her ability to defend her offspring – is uh, a function of her ability to activate her psychopathy. Uh,
0: yeah, you know, as you're describing the traits of uh, of psychopathy, I, I I can't imagine anyone could uh, ascend to the status of president of the United States of America without scoring really high on all of these trends, right?
2: That's uh, an interesting. It's an interesting statement given the nonsense <laughs> of our current uh, uh, Republican. Um, <laughs> i can i don't know not i don't even know what to call it it's, <laughs> well, it's like a, a a circus yeah um sure but there's but a I mean, there's, there's a business there's type something it, to though. it i yeah. mean people have talked about you know donald trump being uh being a psychopath um and not a psychopath in a clinical sense again but in this kind of he he says things potentially without thinking and he's he he doesn't particularly care for other people's feelings, and uh, he, he wants to be dominant in charge. And indeed, I watched the Daily Show yesterday, and he's so inappropriate that they've been able to assemble some evidence that suggests that he wants to sleep with his daughter Ivanka. And so, you know how they do the Daily Show, yeah. but basically, they found these clips where he says things about her body and about how hot she is, and all these kinds of things. And their premise was. Donald Trump wants to have sex with his daughter, and this kind of reckless impulsiveness and even exploitive sexuality are kind of characteristic of um, people high on psychopathy in particular.
1: So what you, you, your research did, though, I mean, you, you've taken those, those sort of the dark triad, as, as it's known, and, and kind of broken it down further in, into, a, I guess, a test of sorts, where we're, it's 12 different areas where we can measure the one's, one's level.
2: So um, one of the problems in 2008, 2009, up until 2010, really, was the measurement of the dark triad traits, right, which are psychopathy, narcissism, and Machiavellianism. They, um, they had uh, some measurement problems. Um, one of the problems was that these, the old measures were just that. They were old. Um, some of them had uh, weird kind of items in them because of that. Others... Uh, were, were just kind of too long. There, were, there was there was a lengthiness to these measures, and so what we just tried to do was reduce that number to uh, to a really core uh, number. Um, and so nowadays, there's another, there's a couple of measures that are floating around, and indeed my measure is um, uh, fairly criticized for being overly brief. Um, but nevertheless, the idea was simply to get at what is the core of these traits in a, in a measurement sense. And so what we have is something for narcissism, things like special favors, exhibitionism, grandiosity. What we have for psychopathy has to do with morality, a, a, kind of a disregard to morality, as well as cynicism and not caring about other people. Uh, and Machiavellianism is really about manip- social manipulation. It's about lying. It's about uh, social influence, uh, that type of thing. And so to, this measure has, has been useful for many people. It's been translated into, let's see, Japanese, uh, Brazilian, uh, German, and, and Italian, and a bunch of other languages that uh, I can't remember at 7 a.m., you know, uh, <laughs> Sydney time. Um, but yeah the the it, it has um, it has been part of the process of moving the dark triad forward and so even though it was even though it kind of bothers some people because it violates some of their ideas about how these traits should be studied and what they should be measured by um it has at least continued to advance the the, 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 the um, the conversation.
0: Okay, well, dr- thank you very much. You know, Dr. Wu will advance this conversation as well uh, after a quick uh, commercial break. We're talking to Peter Jonason, PhD, social personality psychologist at the School of Social Sciences and Psychology, Western Sydney University. This is Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk Seven Seventy. We'll be right back. <laughs>
1: Back in conversation with Peter Jonasson from uh, Western Sydney University, talking about this 12-step test to measure degrees, I guess, of of psychopathy. And, uh, Professor, I mean, the question might be, once we have something like this, does it have any kind of clinical application?
2: We we want to label people high on psychopathy. So one of the most common questions I get uh, and my students get is, um, how do you know this person is a psychopath or not? Like, where's the cutoff? Mm -hmm. and which is the clinical kind of mindset of at what point do we start worrying about this person and not only has this the the scale never been used in clinical settings um, i think all we would find in clinical settings is that these are people who are on the high end of the scale and i don't think we can made make any hard and fast rules that say if you score at a a 3.52, um, then then that counts as someone who's high on psychopathy. Now there's there's statistical ways to to gerrymander this, to use an American term. Uh, you could simply take the top third of people in the in a in a sample, for example. But knowing whether you're high on whether you're a psychopath, that's another that's a difficult thing to to determine. It, um, one of the difficulties of social psycholo- psychological Actually all of psychology research as a rule um, is that we rarely are able to say much about the individual and so if you notice in our studies not just mine but most psychology studies we often have hundreds and thousands of people and so I can't say much about Peter but I can say much I can say a lot about the average man uh, um, who lives in Sydney Australia etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and that's one of the maybe the limitations in for people in really grasping the utility of science because it doesn't necessarily explain your friend. it explains the average man because it's trying to make kind of larger sweeping statements about uh, larger statistical uh, phenomena
1: okay, but i mean then there's the question of okay, if someone scores high on on the scale. Question: Well, yep. you know, was that person born that way, or how did the person get that way, and, yeah. and can that person be fixed?
2: Well, that's a great question. Um, one one difficulty with the question, though, is there is a tendency for not just lay people, um, but even for researchers, to have this kind of nature or nurture um, type of thinking. Um, every every organism is the result of uh, the genes that it's been given at birth and its exposure to various pathogens and diseases and nutrition over the course of its lifetime. And so the, uh, the dark triad traits, just like a lot of personality traits, have a heritability component, meaning there's a portion of them that is associated with variants in genes. Um, so, for instance, one aspect of this is, is probably, although it hasn't been shown, dopamine receptivity. Um, so if you're dopamine receptive, you are someone who needs lots of dopamine. You're going to do lots of things like risk-taking, drugs, casual sex, sensation-seeking type things. And so your, your genes have, have programmed um, physical systems in your body. They've designed physical systems in your body that translate into behaviors that we would call psychopathic behaviors. And, and I imagine attitudes uh, as well and narcissism. The whole lot. Uh, Machiavellianism is the least uh, heritable um, of the three, but every behavioral genetic study shows different um, different heritability estimates because it's not they're not very good at pinning down um, an exact estimate of heritability. Now that said, there are of course factors during people's lives that drive. Uh, that, that, that shift people's behavior, right, that, that that put them on a course more strongly. And so in a recent study of mine that should be coming out soon with two of my students, um, uh, uh, Katie Island and uh, Adiba Icho, uh, what we've showed across three studies uh, with something like maybe 1,500 people is that people who are high on the dark triad at adulthood report, um, What we conceptualize as an unpredictable in particular an unpredictable childhood and why is this important well? the two primary problems in childhood that an evolutionary psychologist seems to conceive of are An unpredictable childhood and a harsh childhood and those are not exactly the same thing so unpredictability has to do with like it sounds an irregularity in the outcomes of your childhood and so what do the dark triad traits seem to do with people? They seem to prioritize people to make immediate um, uh, choices, to prefer things now. I want casual sex. I'm going to have that drink. I'm going to have that puff on the, on the marijuana or whatever. And this is, this is essentially what makes sense to us from this perspective in that if you grew up in an unpredictable childhood, your brain will have learned life is unpredictable I can't, and therefore I should take what I could get now, as opposed to waiting for delayed outcomes. In one study we we showed, this was about 2010, that if you ask people high in the dark triad if they want $1,000 in a year or $100 tomorrow, it's almost a foregone conclusion. We, we, we kind of already know what they're going to say, yeah, just as people. Right. They're going to save $100, and that's what we found. And so there's this There's this synergy between the genes and environment. That being said, it's very probable that everyone has the ability to go down the road of being high on traits like psychopathy and narcissism. You just need the right push or pushes over the course of your formative years, which are up until maybe the age of seven or eight years old.
0: Wow. Okay. So... There's a potential for a little psycho in all of us. Then potential
2: to go down this road. (laughs) Exactly. Not everyone was pushed appropriately. Appropriately is maybe not the right word. (laughs) Was not pushed sufficiently in their childhood. That essentially what it does is it restructures the the um, your 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 heuristics in your brain, the way you think about the world, Um, and that's what childhood does. It sets you up for kind of explanatory models. Of the future um, and allows you to better live in the life that you have and so living in a harsh environment sorry an unpredictable environment should should make someone's brain prioritize immediate outcomes they will because they will have learned that if i don't take it now i'm not going to get it in a week or a month or a year
0: right Uh, that's interesting stuff doctor it's a fascinating discussion we've had too thank you so much for your time today thanks Right, right, that is uh, Dr. Peter Jonason, uh, social personality psychologist out of uh, Western Sydney University in Australia, about the making of a psycho.
1: Right, well, you know, I mean, we, we've, we're learning a lot more about what a psychopath is and, and what traits that represents and how those traits manifest themselves in, in a lot of different ways and among a lot of different people. And, you know, people who do rise to the top in certain professions, those traits are advantageous. So it's, it's not surprising that you'd see borderline psychopaths uh, succeeding in a lot of, a lot. I mean, surgery was one that, um, you know, with a lot of top surgeons, you, you see a lot of those traits. It doesn't mean surgeons are awful people, uh, but to be amongst the world's best surgeons and to be able to be just so focused and so driven and so detached, having a certain degree of those kinds of traits is an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um
0: when I brought up the, the President of the United States, I wasn't referring specifically to any individual like Barack Obama or Donald Trump for that, uh, for, for example, but more just the office of the President of the United States. I mean, if you want to ascend to that level, you have to have some Machiavellianism, right? You have to be willing to um, flatter people to get what you want, you have to be willing to manipulate people to get what you want. Uh, Typically, people who uh, are president want to be admired. It's a, 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 you know, narcissism is a trait. I'm not saying that these guys are, you know, constantly staring themselves down in the mirror. And, you know, (laughs) what is that thing you do? You lick your hand and run it through your hair. (laughs) Right. But it's it's but it has more about like you want to be a good example, an example of of a great American. And so you're a bit narcissistic in that respect. I mean, you've got to think that according to these these statements in this test of the dark triad that we just discussed, that, like, the president of the United States, no matter who he has been throughout history, has got to be a
1: psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember there was a study out earlier this year that linked uh, selfies to to narcissism and right. even psychopathy. Right? And then it just made me think of one well-known person in Calgary in particular who's kind of the king of selfies. Who? Um. Uh, well, I, uh, <laughs> you dare not. I'd rather not say. <laughs> but I said, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> but but it's a trap too, right? Well, because there's also someone else now who's kind of become the new king of selfies. He's, he's a, not from Gal. He's the prime minister of selfies, I believe. You might call him that, yeah.
0: But the, the, the um, but, but I mean, just politics in general, right? Like it, it is a game of manipulation and flattery and getting people to do what you want. And so is it that you're a, you go into politics because you're a psycho or being in politics makes you psychopathic?
1: No, I don't think, I don't think it makes anybody psychopathic. I, I just think those, those traits that he talked about uh, just, uh, you, you know, goes a long way mm-hmm. in politics or maybe lends one to to being drawn to that all right someone else us to say by the way i heard radio personalities are narcissistic psychopaths who like to hear themselves talk that's possible oh it's entirely possible. possible no no rob
0: it's very possible <laughs> a, no hey, hey let me talk for a second probable. no no hang on no, i, I want to say something it's, it's probable a very good chance It's a good chance that's true it's true <laughs> hey, when we come back, we're going, to, we're going to talk about shipwrecks because there's this one that's just been discovered off the coast of Columbia, I believe it is, that they say the sinking of the ship might have changed the outcome of a whole lot of, of our history, including uh, wars and, and, and colonialization. So we're going to get into this uh, matter of a 300-year-old sunken ship and, it's, uh, and the stories that it's starting to tell us when we come back. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge, a couple of psychos on News Talk 770.